Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Well, last time they let me do this, we had a pandemic. Uh, and actually, I, I got the flu instead of COVID, so I joked with my doctor, I can't get COVID to save my life. But then Carrie and I got it like three weeks ago, so we've done it now, we've done our thing. We're, we're, uh, um, this is a little bit surreal. Uh, first of all, my preaching folder, and I don't know that any of you have seen it up close, but it is the E.S. Williams Chapel at Central Bible College, right? Drew and I, uh, Drew Angadi and I both graduated from Central Bible College, so I had to, like, rub this in his face today. Like, I have the folder, right? Um, I'm so glad to have them on board. I just, not just because it's a great school, but they're just awesome. Um, had a chance to just talk with him a little bit this morning. And so, like, he was nervous about, so how long are you going to preach today? I said, well, is that going to be first sermon or second sermon? Elevensies? Uh, actually, for those of you who are going like, oh, no, I love how he loves. I, we, just, we just got that cut off. I need to tell you this. Earlier this week, I had looked at the worship list, because I can, and that song wasn't, it, we were closing with a different song. And I'm praying about what God is going to speak to us today. And I already know, well, first of all, God uh, is being subservient to Pastor Dave in this because Pastor Dave asked me to talk about capturing the heart of God. What is it to capture the heart of God in intercession? What does that mean? How do we do that? Um, and of course, obviously, like, you know, I've been involved with Kingdom House of Prayer w- with that for like. 16 years, Kara? I don't even remember. How old are you? It's, it's a little less than that. Never mind. Never mind. Um, yeah, I have all of these memories of like Kara being this little kid walking around and just, you know, being there in the presence of God and going, oh yeah, and I saw three angels over there. And you know, it's like, of course you did. Um, there's a funny story about that. Like I had asked, you know, I, I was tired of Kara being the only one who saw angels, so I gave God an ultimatum. How many of you, that works? None of you heard that on the live stream, so it's not real. (laughs) I gave an ultimatum to God because I was leading worship there that night, and it was when we were over at Elam Christian Fellowship, and I said, God, that's it. I'm tired of being the only one who doesn't see angels, see a manifestation of your presence like a glory cloud or like a thing, you know, whatever. That's it. I've served you faithfully. I've done my, you know, God, I want to see a manifestation tonight. I want to see it tonight. And I mean, you owe me this. I'm lucky I'm even alive right now, right? Anyway, you owe me this. All right. So we have a great worship time. Presence of God. You know how you can feel it. And it's like, wow. Um, But I didn't see anything. I didn't hear anything. A visiting pastor gets up. He's never been there before. And in fact, I don't think he ever came after that. Probably was me. But anyway, um, and he says, I just, 
Remember, I had said, God, I want a manifestation, right? He stands up and he says, God gave me this word, manifestation. I love when God gets us on a technicality, right? I mean, okay, technically, he totally answered my prayer without being inconsistent with how he and I travel this thing together. You also have a unique journey with God. And you don't have to look like me. You don't have to look like Kara or like Pastor Dave or any of those things. But there are ways that God connects with you. There are ways that God encounters you. And so this is, this is what I'm going to tell you, right? It, it is by some various clock. It's 11.10. By 11.45 this morning, I'm done talking. We're going to be pressing into the presence of God for encounter. Because this is how you capture the heart of God. It's not what you know. It's not what I'm going to tell you. It's not all the studying that you've done. All those are good. You should load your head up with all of the word of God you can find because his presence walks between the letters of that. But it's the actual encounter, the spirit that gives life to this thing. Listen. Okay, I did another, another uh, one of those ultimatums to God. We'll see how it works out. But God, I can't just go talk to these guys this morning. If you don't encounter us, don't send me in there. I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to bring to you that is going to take you to the place where you can walk in the heart and in the love of God. But if he comes, right? Well, here I am. He let me walk in the door. One more time, I'm not dead after having given God an ultimatum. He's going to encounter you today. It may be according to your unique way that you work with him, but he's here. He's already here. I mean, look, I'm just going to tell you how I pictured the end of this sermon happening. Was, right? There's a, a clip of the song, How He Loves that I wanted to play and I wanted us to go through it and I wanted us to press in for an encounter with God. It wasn't on the worship list Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, but I looked and Miles had changed his worship list and he had set it up so that How He Loves was the ending song. Come on. We're doing this thing. I want you to have that kind of expectation. Because this is what happens when we encounter the heart of God and we know who he is and we know who he says we are and we know what he can do. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything. What is encompassed in anything? Isn't that pretty much... According to his will, he hears us. And we know, and if we know that he hears us, whatever, I'm just quoting this. I'm not making this up. If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Come on. What if every single prayer you prayed could be completely answered? Do I need to? 
This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. God, so this is my prayer for this day. I want to grasp that. I'm tired of praying prayers out of my understanding and out of my desires and out of my uh, intellect. Um, even about out of my spiritual excitement for the moment. God, I can have great intentions. But I want to declare your heart over the earth, God. I want to pray the prayers that you can't help but answer because they're your prayers. So whatever you have to do in my heart, however you have to encounter me, God, this is where I have to be. This is where we have to be. We will be the people of God with the, the sword of the Spirit, the, that sharp double-edged sword of the Spirit of God in our mouths and the Word of God. And this we will declare over the earth and this will make your kingdom come and your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Come on. This is what we want today, God. It's all. That's all. That's all we're asking. I love that that's what you want to. So, Father, guide this. Keep, keep our hearts on track with you in Jesus' name. Amen. You need to know that I also exist for the entertainment of God. I think a lot of serious stuff goes on in heaven, and somewhere around 1960, he said, I need comic relief. And here I am. It's a package deal. I love him. He loves me just the way he built me. Deal with it. <laughs> so the whole wave thing, I was not intending to start that. That just squirrel of God, that's my calling. So there were a couple of people in the Bible that grasped this heart of God thing. One of my favorites is Moses in Exodus 33. At the, the, he set up the tent of meeting. Right? So listen to this story. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone... Are you getting there's a lot of anything, anyone, kind of any stuff going on in the word of God here today? Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. I just also got to warn you that I've got a lot of coughing going on and a lot of like post-COVID, it's like the tale of the Balrog, if any of you are, you know, Lord of the Rings fans. 
it's not taking me down, but it sure is a nuisance. Anyway, um, when Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke to Moses. You don't see it as visibly as they did, but did you know that God still responds to you in that way? When you come into his presence, his cloud comes down and touches you where you pray. You come into the tent of meeting with him, he sends his presence down. If he has to tear heaven and earth apart to get to you in that place, he comes to you when you go to the tent of meeting. He does. Not that we base things on feelings, but man, I felt that. He comes to you when you come into the tent of meeting. You are never alone in that place. You are never not heard in that place. You always have his attention. We are a third of the way into page one of five. I need to step this up. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to their tents. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Man, I love that kid. I can't decide in this story who I want to be. Do I want to be Moses or do I want to be Joshua? It's a, It's kind of a toss-up. I'm going to go with Moses just because he's the guy, but I guess, you know, always be yourself, unless you can be Batman, then be Batman. It's kind of that principle, always be Moses, unless you're Joshua, so then, you know, something like that. Squirrel of God, sorry, away it went again. So here is a written account of one of those Moses- into the tent with the cloud encounters. And this tells me something about, like, I feel this in my heart, and this gives me a scriptural basis for this, right? So listen, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and have found favor, and you have found favor with me. Now, after that sentence, he could have said just about anything. You've said you know me by name and that I have found favor with you. Therefore, I need a million bucks to feed these people because they are super hungry. I also need some well digging equipment because as we go across the desert, right, there are any number of needs that Moses could have expressed as part of that conversation. He could have taken it in any direction. But like Solomon, who when encountered by God, God said, what do you want? He said, I want wisdom to lead your people. Moses said, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you. You know me, I want to know you. 
so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this nation is your people. Now, come on. That's even better than Solomon's wisdom answer, right? You've said I've found favor with you. Show me who you are so that I can continue to find favor with you. All he wanted was more favor. All he wanted was more of the God that had encountered him in that tent. That's all he wanted. He must have been feeling pretty good because the Lord replied, my presence will go with you. I'll give you rest. And Moses said, if your presence to go with us, we're not, like I said this morning, we're not leaving here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said, so what else will distinguish the people of God from everybody else on the face of the earth? That his presence goes with us. I told you that the cloud always comes when you step into the tent, but he also goes with us when we step out of that place. Come on. Why isn't everybody a Christian? Who wouldn't want that? That is awesome. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. And Moses, yea, and verily feeling it in the moment, saith unto the Lord, now show me your glory. Come on, what a guy. If you found favor with me, you know my name. Give me more favor. And then, he, then he, he just launches one, the Hail Mary, the big toss. It's a 99-yard pass. Show me your glory. And God had to say no. Hmm. And I thought about that, and I wonder. I know that Moses was super disappointed in that moment. I'll show you my goodness. My presence will pass before you. I'm going to have to cover you because no one can see my face and live. Face and presence are the same word in the Old Testament, just so you know, right? Um, but I think it hurt God even more to have to say that. I think in that moment he wanted to go, yes! I know that because the first time he had the chance to fix it, he did. Look at John 17. Look at me on page two. Jesus prays in John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through, your mess, through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave to me. Come on. The glory that Moses asked to see, Jesus gave to us. Whew. 
not just because it's highlighted in blue, but that's worth saying again. The glory that Moses just asked to see, Jesus gave to us. It says he gave it to his disciples, but not only to them, that all that believe in my message through their words, us. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and they know that you've sent me, and I have made you known to them, and they and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and I myself may be in them. This is the core of that encounter with God. It is not a legal action. It is not a judicial uh, declaration. It is not a matter of accomplishment on our part to reach a certain stature or standing or place of perfection. It is the love of God. How he loves us. So much that when one man had to be turned away from seeing his glory, he said to himself something along the lines of, I cannot ever let that happen again. That when my people ask to see my face, I have to be able to say yes. I have to be able to invite them into my presence. I have to bring them in to me. And so he sent Jesus, his son. The love of God made flesh. The word of God made flesh. So that that flesh, perfect in his life, could come to a cross and suffer a perfect, terrible death. That tore the veil... Physically, it happened in the temple, but spiritually, it happened as well. That veil, that separation that where God said, I have to put my hand over you because no one can see my face, my presence, and live. And the Ark of the Covenant that was inside the holy place, behind that veil, also called the Ark of His Presence. Just so you know, how intent he is on being with you. Wow. This is, this is easy when you only have to preach every five years. I'm just saying. In John 14, and boy, if you want to know about the love of God, John 14, 15, 16, 17, or anything that has the word John in it. (laughs) I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you. I'm sorry. He lives with you and will be in you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all. We're back to that all thing again. Will teach you all things. Does God want you to know his heart 
so that you can intercede according to his heart. He sent his very spirit to teach you all things. Got it. Sorry, I lost my place here. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the enemy of encounter. This is the enemy of walking into God's presence, to coming to that tent of meeting that he makes with us so that his glory cloud, it's fear. There's a lot of stuff going on with this pandemic. Did you know that if I got COVID three weeks ago and I died, I'm good. I'm not afraid of death. Death is the front door to my eternal home with my heavenly father. What have I got left to be afraid of? There's nothing. Now, I can't see on the other side of it, and I don't know what it is. And there's a little bit of, you know, kind of, right? Trepidation in all of us. But fear does not rule over my life. I can do whatever I want out of love for my father. I'm not going to get in particular details, but I can be vaccinated and be assured that God will keep my life in the palm of his hand. Or I cannot be and be assured that God will keep my life in the palm of his hand. Do you see this? There is nothing. Death, life, angels, principalities, powers, heaven, earth, everything in between that can take me out of his hand. Fear does not get to rule my life. Fear does not get to keep me out of the tent of meeting, out of the place of his presence. You either. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so we could encounter him. We're on page three. I think it's looking good. And some of this is Pastor Dave level kind of like I wrote it out so that I would say it right, right? So that takes up extra space. So I'm just saying. God's got you here. So we're headed for encounter now. We're, on, we're on winding this down. There are some things that can keep you out of that place of encounter. And for sure, fear is one of them. And yep, as I told Jenny, this right here, this is a five-minute shameless plug for Ultimate Journey. If you haven't done it yet, what are you waiting for? But maybe if I give you the sales pitch, maybe you'll see what I'm talking about. Three things can keep you from encounter with God. Lies you've believed about yourself. Here's what some of those look like. You're unwanted. You're unimportant. You were a mistake. You've been broken beyond repair. You're worthless. You've done too much to be forgiven. It's impossible to make God happy with your life. There's no point in trying to please him. These are lies. Things that have been done to you or things that you have done might cause you to think 
that those are true. Because this is what the enemy loves to do. He likes to take a little lie in a moment and make that the way you live your life forever. If he can get you to believe for a moment and then hang it on your fridge, and now you have a new way of living your life and feeling your feelings according to his plan for you, what? No, that is not who you were made to be. There might also be lies that you believed about God. I have to perform up to a certain standard to be loved. I have to clean up my life. I have to do the effort to make this vessel acceptable to be used by him. I have to do all the work. I failed too many times to be forgiven. The blood of Jesus covers, well, the front row here at Heartland. Everybody's got blue labels on their seats, right? Maybe a couple of the worship leaders, but not me. That there's an us and them category in the kingdom of God. The blessed, the rest. The covenant God did this. He saw me like I was, and he said, he can't fix that. Some days I'm more or less aware of that as a fact, but as a general rule, that is pretty much always true. I can't fix it. I can't do it. I can't accomplish the kingdom in my life. I can't make you love him. I can't make me love him. I even have to ask him to make me love him. Pastor Dave talks about this all the time. And so, and again, this, you can go back and look at Pastor Dave's messages on this. I am absolutely certain that he was like stealing my Christ Life material book and borrowing it in the week and then preaching it on Sunday shamelessly. Well, because it's the truth, so why wouldn't he? God, knowing our weakness, knowing our sinful state, said, I will do it all. Right? The picture uh, of Abraham where they had the, the pieces of the animal separated on, on both sides. The normal way to do that is God and Moses or God and Abraham would walk through the pieces and make a covenant. And God said, Abraham, you need to sleep this one out. You can't do this. And so the image that you have is of the fire and the smoking pot both images of God walking through the pieces. And remember, a covenant is until death. So if God had made an agreement with Abraham, once Abraham died, kind of over. God made the agreement with himself because he knew uh, the weakness that our sin had put in us. It's not over till he dies. He made that kind of deal with us. That is what the covenant God established. He said, on my name and on my word, I will do this thing. I will redeem. And no, I'm not taking our responsibility out of this. Of course, we have to respond to him. Of course. But we do it 
out of love, not out of performance. It's not what accomplishes our salvation. It's what comes from our salvation. When we receive his gift, his free gift, he does all the work that needs to happen to make our hearts right, to make us righteous before him, and then stands us up, and we just love him. So the lie about God is that you have to do it and you have to get there. And the truth about God is that he's got it covered. He's got you covered. He's got sin covered. This is what, if we could wipe this out of all sinners' prayers, I sure would. God, I just give you my life. You're what? Did you breathe the breath of life into yourself and make yourself a living soul? Where is that life from exactly again? The better prayer, in my mind, would be something along this line. God, I, I give up trying to control your life in me that you have given to me. I take my hands off of this thing, and I die with Christ. And now the only one living here in this place, in this heart, is you. I died with Christ. You live in me. And that's the truth. That, by the way, is the essence of Christ's life, phase two. In five minutes. If you believe the lies about yourself, it makes you pray stupid prayers. God, please notice me. Oh, Jesus, please make me worthy. God, if you could just be here in this room, oh, please. Right? And it's the same thing. If you believe lies about God, you're going to also pray stupid prayers. God, I just pray that you would see this world the way it is. (laughs) You have no idea. Let him tell you how it really is. God, I just wish you would love me. And that comes from one of the most terrible lies that the enemy has ever put on our refrigerator. That he doesn't completely love us. That he doesn't completely, he's consumed with you. He couldn't be any more in love with you. I don't want to pray stupid prayers. I want to pray his prayers so that he can just answer them because they're not even my prayers. So, all right. The sad thing about it is it's hard to get that stuff ripped off of our fridge once we've let the enemy write it there, right? Sometimes it takes us like a dry erase, erasing it off, rewriting some things on it, and sometimes you come up with some stuff that's permanent marker and you got to go, well, rubbing alcohol, I guess, maybe, or whatever, or gasoline. (laughs) Kids don't don't do that. Uh, He knows how to get that stuff off. If we start reaffirming the truth of who he is and who he says we are, right? And that's Christ's life phase three. So here's my homework from Christ's life phase three. And let me just tell you, if you listen to any of this and you go, oh, I wish that could be true of me, 
I'm just telling you, this is as true of you as it is of me. And I'm still working on my fridge here, right? But I'm going to keep saying this until it lives on my fridge and it feels like the truth because it is the truth. I know it's the truth. His word says it's the truth. And if my stupid little brain isn't going to like, well, it's going to accept that eventually. Jesus, because you live in me, your focus is my focus. You let me see through your eyes to judge according to your standards, to hope according to your ability, to believe according to your power. We focus on what's true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Because you live in me, your fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control are just naturally produced in my life. I am completely in love with you. I'm completely in your inner circle, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and me. We are one. We think the same. We breathe the same. We love the same. And we have the same excited and hopeful expectation for the future. You have a perfect and complete solution for every situation I face. You are my complete and perfect solution. This one's really simple, but see, right? Lord, thank you that we win. In everything, in every place we go. That magnet keeps slipping off my fridge, but I'm putting it up there till it sticks. You have made, try this one out. You have made me exactly as you want me to be, exactly as you need me to be. I rejoice in and treasure what you have made. You're the most important one, your opinion, your standards, and you died to redeem the great value you saw in me. You remove all fear and all feelings of insignificance from my heart because you value me so much. Boom. You made my brain work the way it does precisely because you need that insight, that voice. You made me crucial to your kingdom, so I agree with you. I side with you against myself and every negative opinion of me. I know, I'm going to have to get a bigger fridge. Lord, you are my whole life. Every breath, every thought, every conversation, every written or spoken word. You live and act and speak through me. You love and build and restore family, friends, coworkers, acquaintances, random people, even my enemies. There is no place that's not a fertile garden for the seeds of life that you sow through me, that he sows through you. Come on. You can pray prayers that sow life into the earth around you. It's who he made you to be. There's no place. You've destroyed the foundation for hate and fear because I'm completely in your hands and nothing can by any means hurt me. You have pulled up the root of offense because I'm completely loved and accepted by you. You have freed me to forgive always, to love always, to think and believe the best for everyone I encounter. I believe the best for Joe Biden. I believe God could transform his mind. That God could take a hold of him like Saul on the way to Damascus and light him up for the kingdom of God. He could do that. Page and a half. I got to go here. You see and... Kate, when you, you shared what, you, what God had told you you were going to say this morning, 
this is, this is right out of what you said. You see all the people in my life, through my eyes even, as complete, healed, and whole. A royal family with regal hearts and intent. Now let's talk about relationship. Let's get practical here. You bless my wife in all our ways. You make my words life to her spirit and my love a secure fortress around her. You make us dream and wish together. Through me, you breathe destiny into my children and grandchildren and call out the dreams you've planted in them to become a strong, vibrant, lush landscape of your planting. You heal them when we pray. You uphold them in every situation and crown them with favor and honor. Come on, I wrote this on Tuesday morning. By Friday, one of my kids was emailing saying, God has given me favor and honor and I have a new job. You bless my finances and resources in ways beyond my understanding so I can be a resource for your kingdom. You always know what we need before we do, and you always have a plan and provision, and we can always trust you. You've planted your wisdom and spirit in my heart. You did it all along while I was just hanging out with you. You love to take from that garden and feed life into those who need you. You were growing you and me so you could release yourself through me. You, you did it all. You're doing it all, 100%, all of the time. I love you with all that I have, with all that I am, with all that I do. None of that makes you love me any more or less. And that is what makes me free to lavish all my love on you. Only you could have built a love like this, and I'm forever consumed by it. There's a lot more to Christ's life, level three. And if I would do that, we would be reading it till two o'clock this afternoon. But that's what needs to go on my fridge this week, right? That's the truth that needs to overwrite the you're insignificant, you're not important, you're lost in the middle of this. My company got sold twice this week, just so you know. They cut it in half and sold one half here and sold half the other. I've been working there 29 years. What happens to my income? What about my job? What about my... You always know where I am at every moment. That's the truth. So this is it. God who made everything has done everything to draw you to himself. He knows this happened. He knows all you've done, all that's happened to you. And he provided the lamb, the covering to cover it all. And once you grasp that and grasp him, Deuteronomy 30 sounds a lot better. Now, what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven, so you have to ask who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Say this with me. God, you love me. I hate it when preachers do this, just so you know, right? I just, mm, what am I in? Kindergarten? Say it again. God, you love me. God, you love me. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com slash give.